Welcome to Gagliardi Scott Real Estate Podcast, hosted by myself, Gerald Sabri, and Rocky Gagliardi. We look forward to bringing you something fresh, something new the Golden Valley hasn't seen before. More informative information. We've got special guests, hot topics. Make sure you follow on your preferred podcast platform, GSRE Socials. We hope you enjoy this episode. G'day folks, Rocky here, Gagliardi Scott, Real Estate. Thank you for joining our podcast. Today I've got two very special guests in Jane Macy and Lee Finlay. And um, we're going to talk things about uh, land subdivisions and, and you know, the land because it's been through a boom in recent times, um, which I think a lot of people, mum and dads and developers would want to know a bit more intimate details that we're probably a little bit naive on in the marketplace. So I just want to introduce our two guests and they can introduce themselves as far as their history is concerned. Jane, over to you. How are you? Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'm well, thanks, Rocky. Thanks for hosting us today and thanks for hosting this really important session. So Jane Macy's my name and I'm a town planner. Been qualified for perhaps nearly 30 years now yeah. and worked in Shepparton at Spire, which used to be uh, Coombs Consulting Group, mm-hmm. for about 20 years. And before then I worked in our Melbourne office and I've worked in local government and overseas. A stint working in Dublin for about six months, which was a fantastic yeah, experience. Yeah, Yeah, so... Um, How's that compared? Oh, <laughs> uh, look, it was really, it was a great travel job. I learned a lot more about strategic planning and statutory planning in Dublin. And we did a lot of restaurants, a lot of pubs, a lot of music scenes, all the things typical of a, of a capital city in a, in a country. So it was a really good job. We knocked off at um, lunchtime every Friday and the boss would take us out for a beautiful oh. lunch and come back to the office and collect the paycheck to start the weekend. We might so. have to edit that part, Jane, because a few, <laughs> few get employees might want that to happen. That's <laughs> That's right. Right. You get into the Guinness, Jane. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> the Guinness and the Irish music was fantastic. So Thanks, Lee, for joining us today as well. Um, Thank yeah, you. Just give us a bit of uh, history and your experience and expertise. And Yeah, well, grew up in Shepparton, went to uni in Melbourne, ended up working actually at Coombs yep. where Jane worked. I think we might have worked together yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah, did a bit. Yeah. For a yeah. bit of a stint. Same deal. I spent five years overseas working in civil engineering and project management in mainly airports. And then I was back in Melbourne at Melbourne Airport with their development. And then sort of late 2009 ish, thereabouts, I ended up moving back to Shep um, into the family business. So we've got an engineering um, construction, yep. civil engineering construction business. So, yeah, involved in all sorts of council projects, but also land development projects, which, you know, dovetail a little bit with what with what yeah. Jane does. So you mentioned that you work together potentially once upon a time. And I know you, you've just mentioned that you both work together now on a board with CG4. Probably just elaborate a bit on, on that and what that does for the community and how that helps and what your current sort of main topic you're sort of dealing mm. with at the moment so the audience has a, an idea. It's a pretty important committee for the Shepparton area and, and um, you know, obviously consultant council and so forth. It's pretty important. Yeah. No, the committee for it's, it's about to turn 10 years. Actually, we're in our 10th year and it came about back in 2012-13 and it was off the back of the millennium drought, so the place was really dry. There was ag was depressed. Um, I actually moved back in 2009 or 10 to here at the, the back end of that millennium drought and the GFC. And you'd walk around the place and you'd think, God, what's going on? Like, yeah. th- th- this is not the way that I remembered Shepparton. And then there was a group of business people, and I think you were involved, Rocky, mm-hmm. at the time, that got together and said, there's more to Shepparton than... Um, yep. I think SPC at the time was was one that was not going so well. So the business people got together, went down to Geelong and had a look at what That's right. Committee for Greater Geelong were doing. And down there, what, what had basically happened was the car industry was 
you know, manufacturing was taken offshore and there was this perception around Geelong that Geelong was was knackered because there was no car industry and the reality the was... The was here too, wasn't it, really? Like, mm. yeah, yeah. SPC shut that, down. It was Shep. the same sort of yeah. mentality that there's no SPC and Shep's no good and the Geelong business people down there said that's completely wrong. There's, there's more to Geelong than what than just the car manufacturing industry. So the Committee 4 was was born and then yeah, over that 10-year period we've had Dave McKenzie was the original chair with Matt Nelson as the yep. CEO. Uh, we then had Sam Birrell as yep. our CEO and Rob Priestley as the chair. Yep. So we had some people you know, involved on that board that uh, moved into political landscapes and currently I'm the chair and Jane's the deputy, so you might <laughs> so be looking at... The, Prime uh, Minister and Deputy Prime right, Minister. Absolutely. <laughs> you might, be lo- might be looking at the next national in uh, green. <laughs> ah, very good. So what's the, what's the main topic at the moment? Because I think... Um... Yeah, look, there's a few topics that we um, focus on and we obviously we represent all of our members who come from varied backgrounds mm. and interests, but probably one of the key common things that we're hearing from most people now is housing and the lack of housing for attracting employees to the area to retain them in the area help them settle in the area with their families and it's not just four bedroom houses in our new developing areas it's a whole range of housing typologies from those houses through to apartments in the CBD to two bedroom townhouses on the um, the edge of the CBD so we're really advocating for I suppose council to encourage land releases and rezonings um, right through the whole political process that that has to go to through to putting prospectus out there for potential developers to come and build some apartment buildings or some townhouse developments that we know that there's a demand for and that that the market needs that supply. So a lot of people... I'm guessing on sitting on a couch or whatever listening to this, they they think you're talking, they relate that to social housing, which is not necessarily correct. I mean, you've got the development of the, the courthouse, it's been pretty pretty relevant, but the growth of Shepparton has been, you know, the last three or four years has been huge, really, you know, back on the last 10 years. Even retaining doctors, like you get those specialists that are coming to the area um, on top of you know, your housing market. It's also that the services that have, have slowed down too. Oh, look, for example, we've got doctors that come in that looking, that got guaranteed jobs in the hospital but and they can't stay because they can't get their, mm. their children into mm. the grammar school or can't. that's the only way mm. they can get in. So they travel up three or four days a week. They don't stay here for the 10 years. The kids go through the school and mm. they don't invest. Um, mm. So once the kids are out, they're back back in Melbourne back and in you've Melbourne. lost them. Yep. Yep. So it's a combination of many things. That's where it's important, obviously, the you know, Committee of Greater Shepparton Group, is you know, Committee 4 is, is really good. To, yeah, to sort of and one, probably just to add to what Jane said, it's it's the mix of housing from, so, like, socials, yep. hugely important, but we believe that you can get that, that blend right yes. across the whole mm. typology. So you've got the social affordable student accommodation, key worker accommodation, yep. and then even the executive style. And one of the programs that Committee for Greater Shepparton runs in conjunction with Council and, and some others is the Community Connector Program, yep. which basically helps professionals land into the Goulburn Valley, into jobs, and it helps bringing partners in as well and families. And, you know, if, if you're into tennis, they'll introduce you to a tennis club or a yep. church or the golf club or whatever it is you might need, housing. Mm. So... Over the last two years, they've landed close to 500 professionals into oh, wow. Shepparton. That's true. So that's that's just a professional. That yeah. doesn't include the family and yeah. the partners and the hangers-on. Yeah. So, and some of the data that we've got out of that, 
around 90% of those people aren't looking for the four-bed house initially. They're yeah. not looking for the four-bed house yeah. out in the suburbs. They want something close to the centre of town where they can walk to, you know, Fryer Street, yeah. the cafes and restaurants and all that sort of stuff. So there's reinforcing kind of data that we're seeing through yeah. Committee 4 that's suggesting that 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 more intense apartment-style living or townhouse-style living in the middle of town is what's going to help those people land into SHEP yep. and stay and engage. And you know, they might eventually, after a year or two, they'll grow a family and move out into in, yep. in, into the, an area where there's... Yeah. Once they get familiar with what the, what the SHEP landscape's like for right. their lifestyle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's building those connections into the community that see people being retained. Yeah. It's, it's the reverse of what we... We're here to educate our kids, aren't we? And they're, they're the ones that have gone and they don't sort of come back, do they? They're, we're losing those, those intelligent, educated types that want to go to uni and come back. So this is another way of trying to get back that, mm. that what we're Yeah, missing, so that know. trend's starting to reverse yeah. as, as Shepparton grows and can offer more, not only in terms of a workplace but a lifestyle, connections to our natural environment, you know, a variety of restaurants, culture, um, education, all of those sorts of factors. People are starting to gravitate back to Shepparton yeah. after they complete uni and do a little bit, bit of work and travel, yeah. they're certainly starting to come back. Yeah, good. family connections mm. yes. are here and, yes, and there's a lot to bring people back. Yeah. yeah, I reckon that's the ideal scenario is that let them go off. Yeah. I, I look mm. at my own experience, went off, worked for five or ten years, you know, overseas around the yeah. place, never ever thought that we'd be back here mm. but wound up back here and then, you know, realised that there's, oh, we got kids and the river's up just yeah. up the road so you yeah. get into water sports and the snow fields yeah. aren't far away you can ride your mountain bike after work in the yeah. bush there's so many lifestyle opportunities you come back and you think yep. far out i didn't realize how hard i was going in the city yeah and, and then you get plucked out and come back yeah. and this is like we, we love it Magic. love it back mm. here yeah you wouldn't wouldn't want to be anywhere else yeah. no which um, you know, obviously, a lot of expats would come back when during the COVID period too, weren't they? Like they were finding a, that's you know, right. They knew the yeah. hidden gems that were here. Uh, yeah. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. The expats were the biggest mm. come, the ones that come back. Yeah. Mm. So the last uh, two or three years, we've gone through the probably the biggest land boom. I've been through two, I think now, um, the building booms. This is was phenomenal, really, compared to you know the, the other one we had uh, twenty or ten years ago, twenty years ago. Um, so it's been phenomenal. So we, we obviously, we believe we're the, probably the biggest selling land selling agents in Shepparton. We sell probably the most estates. Um, and we get the common questions all the time. So we, we, we're the middleman, so we cop it all the time as to why... Um, why is it taking so long? It's the agent's fault. You know, you promised us this date. You know, you've got to, we, we say a date and this is a roughly experience. <laughs> tell we them think anything, Rocky. Tell yeah, them anything. Right. Yeah, tell them what we need to do. <laughs> and then we just blame everyone else. Yeah. But, yeah. but in reality is we, you know, it would be good to know and give give the audience a, a good of an idea of how it works, you know. Um, Jane, when they come to you, a, a land subdivision and, you know, they get it approved. You know, what's the process and hmm. um, in that? And obviously then we can probably elaborate as to why things probably do get delayed and what are the things that are out of control, A, for the developer, A, for the, the engineers and, and, and so forth. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really good question and there's a lot of um, unknowns, I suppose, in the town planning process. So town planning is divided into probably two areas. One is the bigger picture and it's important for people to understand that, to understand 
the zoomed in um, level of town planning, but the bigger picture is how the city works, how everything sits together, where everything's placed, how it's connected, how people then move between where they live, where they work, where they recreate and where they socialise. So all of those different land use outcomes have a different expectation of amenity levels and it's important that they're all located in the correct location so we don't get any land use conflicts or or disturbances between the two. So it's really important for council, who is who is the, the manager or the responsible authority for laying out the towns, I suppose, to get those land use activities in the right locations. So that takes a bit of time because mm. they need to be assessed and modified and worked through. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of moving parts. So that does take some time. And then if you zoom into a particular property or a particular growth area, there's another set of moving parts that need to be assessed. And council's responsible for implementing their planning scheme, which includes a lot of local policies, zones and overlay controls. And that's that's getting very technical, but they're basically the rules about how and when and why you can develop land in mm-hmm. a certain way. Mm-hmm. So the council has to coordinate all of that with all of the different authorities that we deal with. So the water authority, the power authority, the catchment management authority, um, the fire rescue Victoria, so the flooding plain authority. There's a lot of different authorities that need to um, review development proposals and guide the outcomes Mm. that come to protect everybody from um, whether it be a natural disaster or adverse amenity impacts. So these going through that process does take some time. Um, As Lee picked on before, um, picked up before, there's a lot of those authorities and a lot of the councils are resource starved at the moment. We're just not having the human capital to help Mm. make some of those decisions and provide that input into the planning process. So Lee, when when a developer comes to you and you've approved everything, you've got through council, you've approved um, the the council's approved the plan of subdivision, you've pressed go, the the construction's ready to go and you know you tell you tell your developer and the developer tells us agents that uh, this is when it's going to be ready, this is the titles, and then the mum and dad goes and buys a block of land with the plans to build mm-hmm. and they've got a certain deadline they want to be because they're locked in. We noticed a lot lately with locked-in contracts with the sort of the bigger builders and mm. the franchise builders, it's caused a few issues. So it's not just us, but um, that doesn't really come into play when as a mum and dad got a, you know investment in and they go, well, why isn't it ready at this time? You know, mm. So... Us being the middleman, we cop a fair bit of pressure on um, why is it not delivered in March when you said it was. It's now July, and mm. where is it? You know, what yeah. are the what are the typical things that slow um, at development? Or the, the yeah, delivery? one of the one of the first things as a project or a construction manager. So when you're out there ready to start building, um, and this happened this happened last year, uh, we generally try not to turn dirt in June or May. Because you wind up opening up ground through yep. winter. Yep. And last winter we got, as an example, we got smashed with you know, rainfall and floods yep. and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, the number one kind of factor is if you can, if you were able to pick an ideal time frame to be building, uh, you would go from September, October, you know, through Christmas and then have have titles by... March, April that that next year, you, you you get a better run at at construction without without yep. weather becoming an issue. Um, so there's that as a factor which which last year did come into play on a number of these yeah number of these estates estates which 
they were fairly lean anyway, and uh, there would have been people hanging out for mm. um, for titles to get building. So that's one. Um, I think const- everyone's res- Jane touched on it. The resource constraints yep. right through the whole pipeline um, from you know the authorities, but even even contractors that are, that are doing the works on the ground. Yeah. Um, everyone's getting torn from one project to the next, so you're yeah. you're doing your best to try and keep everything going and keep the the the, the fires out. Yeah. Um, ultimately, what you want and what your client wants is a, a title that they can yeah. transact on. Um, so the same deal. Once once everything gets signed off, it's got to go through. It's got to go through council. It's got to go through the water authorities. It's got to go through the power authorities, mm. uh, the CMA, Vic Roads or Regional Roads Victoria, mm. have a have a sniff as well. And when each one of those authorities wants thirty days or whatever it is to respond, if you don't get things lined up, then that, that, yeah, they, they can slip. Then it ultimately gets to the titles office, and then you talk to the titles office, and there's about three people in there that are approving don't don't quote me on the three but yeah, yeah, there's, there, there's yeah. not a cast yeah. of thousands yeah. in there sitting there yeah approving. And it's not just shepherd and they're doing everywhere yeah yeah, yeah they're doing yeah. The, all of victoria uh so it's yeah i mean it's frustrating, it's frustrating. on our front because yeah. you you're just wanting to keep these pushing and yeah um, for the developer ultimately they're looking to create the title so they can get return on their investment yeah a lot of Clients, they're just there, fair enough. They're just there to buy their block. They're told a date, fair enough, you know. And we can understand the pressures and the financial pressures of that. Mm. You know, they've got to pay extra rent for it longer mm. and the price goes up on their contract and, and so forth. But it's important to know that um, for the audience out there, the developers, they want it oh. delivered today. Absolutely. Yes. Yesterday. Yesterday, not, they, they, they're, not, they're not interested in getting pushed yeah. back because no. it affects them more in the yep. sense than overall scheme it, it, yeah. it takes off hundreds of thousands or more off their mm. you know the risk becomes really big Correct. Um, hundreds of thousands a month if they've got some big holding yeah. costs so yeah. Yeah, it's not the developers that are no that are sitting all there. the agents no. Are, no, no, we want it to be pushed back yesterday if we can we're trying to have our best but yeah. everyone's doing their best to get these things through because yeah. it's all in their best interests yeah uh, and i think that's a really important point that everybody who is involved in releasing a title is doing their best to get yes. it through. It's just that at the front end, as I, I talked earlier, those complexities about getting things right at the very start are so critical yes. and so important. So the person who gets the title at the end of the day can build and know that they've got um, a good title where nothing's going to unforeseen is going yeah. to happen um, and that all the all the rules and regulations have been followed so nothing's going to undo them yep. when they've got their title. So it's easy for us as agents that we're, we're the ones that are at the front, so we get we get whacked and that's fair enough. We take that, you know, because, you know, we promised them, we've delivered it, you know, what we've been told. Um, but just there's things that probably in the background that, that, that people don't realise. Like, you, Jane, I could, just what you've touched on, that could be delivered perfectly mm-hmm. and I reckon what's happened in the last couple of years too there's things that you no one's seen coming like for example with power core and you know the delays in that you know just touch a bit on that so people don't the general person doesn't understand what the, the length goes behind the scenes there's extra detail that goes more than just doing what you've just said there's actually you get you know like we said we'll touch on mm-hmm. the power core situation touch yeah. on touch on that and how that's really impacted not only the bottom 
dollar for the for the developer, but also how is that pushed back totals? Yeah, so there's there's quite a few that have come into it, not just PowerCore, but even um, aspects like the the floods and the new flood modelling that yes. the Catchup Management Authority is now working on to implement. Um, we've also got a heightened awareness of of cultural heritage and the mm-hmm. um, the land to be assessed um, from a cultural heritage perspective. Um, so there's a lot that actually comes into it as well as the different authorities now that have their new um, their rules and regulations mm. and processes that they need to follow. So all of that equals time, which equals dollars, mm. um, to um, the whole development process really. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So just touch just, – we'll just highlight that um, power core situation a couple of years ago. Um, you remember what happened. Um, this is – Left field. I, mean, I think they did something happening in Melbourne or where one of the power stations they had to remodel the, the pad or something. Is that, is that right? Is what happened? And that pushed I back six so, months. Yeah. I yeah. think they had to go redo it. And we had, I think the Vines was one of them that copped it where mm. they had to, they, they, um, I think the power cord really didn't care. That's the problem. You, you can't yes. influence. Yep. Um, they go, well, we have to remodel because was. A, I think something happened or someone got hurt and had to remodel that, that pad um, to do it. So it pushed back the subdivision six months. Yes. Yeah. So. They're things that you can't sort of control. No, and 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 things where we're sort of you know always coming. It always pops up, and not always in every subdivision, but you know over a period of time things evolve and things happen. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. probably that and and power core is an example. Any authority is an example. They're all they're all very organised, but they need lots of lead time. So if you need Mm. to book in, um, one of our clients has done a development that had a power line that went yes through the property that had to get relocated around. And it was, you know, a 16-week lead time to book that work in. So if you're not organised and know that you've got to book mm. that in, mm. um, so, you, you know, you need a, a consultant or a professional mm. behind you that understands that process because you might get to the end and say, oh, we need power core. Yeah. If, if you don't know the process, you ring them up. Power core says we're 16 weeks, and then all of a sudden there's people with their heads, yeah. you know, blowing mm. off because they're yeah. And, and, and that's it's it's the expectation really, and setting yes. the expectation as yep. to how long things take and why they take so, so long. Um, and that power power core again, it's it's to do with resources. They've got yeah. X amount of resources, mm. and they've got a big long list of projects, mm. and they are very organised at scheduling and, yep. and and getting resources to jobs, but. It's hard to ha- make it happen overnight. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of authorities that do have change of policy, change of processes, and if your development is not at the end point and it's in the middle, there needs to be sometimes redesign yeah. and rework done. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of what happens in the development process. Yeah. 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 So, I've got some land, five acres out of town, ten acres out of town. What? What? If I come and see you, Jane. What are you going to do? What's your, what's what? What are I going to know about getting this rezoned? Um, yep. The costs, you know. Oh, back in the day, used to be oh, an acre is worth a hundred grand an acre, and I can get four blocks out of that, mm. and it'll cost me X amount to build it, like fifty-five k or thirty-five thousand dollars yep. to develop it. It's a bit more detailed than that, isn't it? Like, a lot more. Yeah. It's a lot more complex now. Um, there's a lot more to think of up front. So first of all, if you came in to me and um, we sat down, we'd um, get the maps out, the Vic 
um, Vic, Vic map plans and look at the zoning of your land. Yeah. Uh, if it's in a farming zone and you would like to develop it for residential purposes, you'd need to get your land rezoned. Uh, if it's already in one of the residential zones, well, we can then start talking about subdivision. Yeah. So two quite different processes, very different timelines for the two. But if we look at the rezoning, um, we would need to look at whether it's in council's strategy for mm -hmm. growth. Uh, let's say it is. Well, then we start looking at um, what's happening around it. So the context of the property. Yep. What size lots would fit in with the desired outcome, the neighbourhood character, um, connections into the arterial road networks. And then we'd look at servicing, so whether there's water and sewer available or whether you need to rely on septic tanks for your effluent disposal. Um, we'd look at all the different topographies of the land, so whether it might be a little bit flood prone, whether it's high and dry. Uh, we'd look at the cultural heritage aspects, whether it's in an area of mapped cultural sensitivity, in which case we'd need to get an archaeologist to come and assess the land. We need to look at the vegetation. Um, we'd need to look at the native veg because that's a big trigger for a planning permit, mm -hmm. any removal of native vegetation. So there's lots of different things to look at. Which would probably take some time to look through and a number of experts to assess the property. Yeah. Um, as opposed to if the land's already zoned, some of those elements do need to be looked at, but it can also be um, assumed or understood that some of them would have been already looked at at the rezoning stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, Lee, I've gone through that stage. I want to know what it's going to cost me, how many blocks I'm going to get, <laughs> and what it's going to cost me to. And what are the. Yeah. So, in. in you know, obviously broadly speaking, but what are the costs that you have to look at to, as a developer? Not just the base, oh, it's going to cost me 55K or 100K or whatever to develop, but what are the costs? Because you've got um, certain criteria that government bodies put on, like council and mm. you know, open space and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it, it just, it's just more than that retardation basis. That I mean, Jane, what she explained there, she did in a minute, but <laughs> with, with explaining that to the, the landowner, you then got to set the expectation on what all of that's going to cost yeah. and, and, and more so the time frame because all of that just takes time and this is where, this is where the, you know, someone who's got five acres out the road and hasn't done it before, they're walking yeah. into a bit of a, yeah. uh, a, not a storm, but if, you, if you're not eyes wide open, you can get... Well, just before that, because a lot of them... They look at developers and they go, oh, geez, they make millions. They make millions. And they go, oh, no, they don't really. No. Like it's, it's a lot of process. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, so yeah. That, that's where you've got to temper a little bit. Yeah. So going through all that to start with is, is not just, yeah, yeah there's no, a bit in it. Yeah, it takes a while to explain yeah. all of yeah. that. Yeah, so to manage those expectations. Yeah. Yep. And then there can be things, you know, you might pay 100000 bucks an acre or a hectare or whatever it what is, is yeah, for the land and then... What James just explained, and depending whether it's in a certain, um, if there's a precinct structure plan that sits across the top mm. of that land, that actually informs that y you have to pay council X amount of dollars for public infrastructure that goes into that precinct. So you might wind up, you know, there's a, a retardation basin or a park or an intersection that needs yep. to, to dovetail with your development. And there might be an extra fee that gets paid to council, and that could be anywhere between fifty thousand a hectare up to two hundred thousand a hectare, depending yeah. on where that land sits within within the zone. Yeah. So you might go and buy that land, but 
be unaware of what the uh, the other overlaid costs are yeah. with council. Um, there can be other headworks that need to happen for sewer, yeah. uh, sewer and water connections, which generally proportionally you get back. So if your development's say ten percent of a bigger catchment, you would contribute ten percent to the water main headworks and the sewer main headworks and then the water authority carries that or there's other developers further down the chain that that, that pick up those costs. Um, road widening or intersection works into the development. Sometimes you need to carry those costs and then be reimbursed if it is mm. public infrastructure work. So there's a whole bunch of it's a whole bunch of mechanisms I suppose that council and Vic Roads and the other authorities can use to help build that but ultimately it's you got to understand cash flowing whether that's got to be cash flowed by yourself and then paid back or yep. if, if it's money that is spent direct by council or, or the other authorities mm. so yeah again getting the right professional help to work through all of that and and understand that up front you need to you need to do before sort of hitting hitting the go button. It's it's important because a lot of those factors add to the cost, you know, the carrying costs. The and when it gets delivered, the, the, the developers aren't just this is what it's going to cost, this is what we're going to make. It's then it, how's the economic climate? It's okay how what we've been through, um, and they're ahead of schedule. But sometimes when the land's delivered, it's sitting there. Yes. It's cost mm, them, yep. you know, it takes a while, they're sitting there titled and it's taken three months before it settles and mm. they're paying the banks back or the investors back and all of a sudden that adds to the cost as well. Mm. So being a developer is not as um, yeah, straightforward as what people think. That's why it's uh, important mm. to come and see the experts like you both yeah. and and go from there. Yeah, yeah. A lot, for a developer there's, um, for every one project that gets up and going, there's probably been five that have had detailed feasibility studies yeah. that have just for various mm. reasons not got up. Yeah. So um, it is, it, it's not easy and there's a lot of work that goes into that due diligence phase. Yeah. Um, and I, I listed a few things before, but there's a whole lot of other factors oh. that come into it. And I think it's really important for people to understand that not one property is the same as the next yeah. or another. Every single property is different and has a different set of circumstances that need to be looked at. Yeah, so, no, I totally agree. Mm. And it is... It is uh, but look, for me, it's oh, I get to it every day. So people think, oh, mm. what's my property worth? And this and that. I go, well, it's not as easy as that because no. oh, it's, it depends what the yield is. I said, no, it's not as easy as that. Like it's you know, you know, how much land mm. you actually yep. got to do. Um, the difference of that and say Lee with um, a unit site in town, for example, someone's like, look, look mm. mum and dad wants to buy a house and they want to subdivide the back unit or you know, get four or five units or something like that. How, do, how easy is it to that? Um, what's the difference to that than, say, land development as such? With that, the settings over the last couple of years have, have changed. I, I think it was marginal, and you'd know this mm. probably, Rocky, as well as anyone, that to get a couple of blocks in town and bang some units up, the return on investment was was really, really tight. Yep. Um, I think that shifted a bit, and particularly what I was talking about earlier, that appetite for... You know, having something in the middle of town. Yep. Whether those are, the the townhouse prices have shifted a touch to make those make those um, investments a bit better. But mm. the other thing is, the council have actually got the planning settings yep. really well set yeah. to to be able to do that. They've got the right activity centres that are close yep. to town. Uh, so it's just a matter of you know developers being aware of where those pockets are. And, and targeting mm. particular 
pockets of land to do those, those to do those subdivisions. So it, the process is not dissimilar. Mm. Um, there's still, you know, if you're buying two blocks and banging them together and subdividing them into five, you've still got to provide water connections to each place, sewer connections, power. Yeah. Um, be missing something gas like all, all the yeah, services the that are required still need to be provided to those houses uh there's costs that goes in to those in order to get the title so um yeah it's a smaller more compacted kind of yeah project jane can probably touch on a little yeah, bit yeah no that side. that's pretty right i think the main thing is as you said like council's got the the planning tools already in place to facilitate yep. those development pretty strict outcomes in the, the regulation yeah and i i think Coupled with the, the demand that we talked about before with people coming into Shepparton and not necessarily wanting a big house but wanting more of an apartment, there's a, a, a growing body of understanding mm. that our agricultural lands are our food security and we can't keep um, continually sprawling our cities and, and mm. um, taking up that land. And whilst that is a legitimate form of housing, I think there's equally a legitimate form of housing that can be seen through the redevelopment of our CBD and inner areas as well. So, yep. And I think um, that as the population grows and housing preferences change and people's lifestyles change, you know, there's fewer and fewer people that want to spend their weekends mowing lawns and doing oh. gardens. We want to get That's out me. into nature <laughs> and, you know, follow the sport and just yeah. recreate on our downtime on the weekend. Yeah. So um, the demand for lower maintenance housing is is just increasing, it's increasing significantly. Which is, touches on what your subject before, mm. the townhouses and that are starting mm. to come back yep. into it. Yep. We've got an ageing, more ageing population um, yes. as well, yep. which they're not, and they're not sort of favouring that. Well, they still are, but probably not getting the opportunity to get into their retirement villages mm. and so forth either, which yeah. is yep. fit enough to, to go and buy a townhouse and or build one. And, yeah. And, so. yep. and government policies promote ageing in place, so yeah. I think that's that's a, a housing need as well. Yeah. yeah. So it brings me probably... We'll, we'll finish it off with... with um, our biggest concern at the moment is the lack of land zoned. Um, so there's a couple of points I want to sort of bring up here and lock you to touch, uh, elaborate on it or give me your opinion. Um, the, the, we are going for a bit of a slow patch at the moment, which is fine, but that's not going not to last forever. But um, land we currently got sold is still ready to come through and it's still got, it probably got 12 months worth probably still. Um, and the land that's currently for sale, the people are waiting and holding, obviously interest rates, cost of living and so forth. But the costs of building... You know what we talked about before: building and constructing the blocks of land, and also the purchase of buying those the globo land for the developers to buy. Um, they're not coming down those costs. Mm. Um, on top of that, is probably a really important topic at the moment: is the lack of zone land that the council um, probably have probably acknowledged just recently that needs to happen. Um, there, there, there's a bit of a concern coming in the next two years or so that there's not going to be enough supply of blocks of land to, to service the, the marketplace, uh, especially when things pick up again. Um, I personally believe that's probably going to make the cost of buy, buying a block more expensive mm-hmm. um, if people prepared to buy, that is, and that's going to make it a bit hard for developers to purchase because they're not going to make their money. So that means it's going to put more pressure on, mm-hmm. which means there's not going to be less supply. So I'd like to know your opinion on on those on that topic and what if it differs or you might have a different 
opinion. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Rocky. I think it has been recognised for some time, particularly in the last probably the COVID years when we have seen a huge demand for growth in Shepparton. Um, Our land supply has been really um, stretched. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Council's working actively and furiously on the southeast what we call the southeast precinct structure plan area so that's the big growth corridor just to the southeast of the town centre and um, they are very close to having that um, ready to go out on public exhibition Um, and I think that that yes will provide a a definite supply to the market but what I think Shepparton needs is a variety of growth fronts. Mm. So when I probably moved here 20 years or so, there was about 10 or 12 growth fronts on mm. the market. So people could look at that option, look at that option and look at several options and then choose where to build their yeah. homes. Um, those growth fronts have really decreased in mm. number too significantly, I think. Yeah, I so the choice isn't there. Um, so I think once the southeast precinct structure plan gets um, zoned and implemented, uh, I think council need to start looking at perhaps not the massive big stretches of land but some just providing the market with a bit more choice and a few more growth fronts. Um, And that could be in the CBD and it could be in the growth areas that they've identified. What are your thoughts, Mm. Lou? Yeah, I mean, that's it's sort of well documented and I think most Mm. people that are close to the industry know that... There is a bit of a gap over the next two or three years with with zone land, and I think it's yeah. You know, there's 15 years or something that council need to keep in front that, yes. that that's ready to go. And they were working on you know we might have been seven or eight years a couple of years ago, but the last two years have highlighted it's have, really have chewed all that up. Mm. So it's everyone's again resource constrained trying to get these get these approvals through. Um, yeah, one of the tricks, and, and I think one of the strengths of Greater Shepparton is its affordability. Mm. And I saw an article even the other day that Shepparton is still regarded as one it? of the most yeah. affordable places to live. Um, I don't know if it was in Victoria or Australia, but in Victoria it was. Yeah. Yeah. If we keep, if yeah, if we're not keeping that that supply coming through and and the variety, yep. then that affordability is gonna gonna become an issue, yep. and all of a sudden we're not gonna be. You know, yeah, we lose that edge. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's definitely an yep. edge um, yeah. with what mm. you can get for there's, your money here. There's there's also an impact that I could see. We've got a bit of a problem with, you know, we've got a lot of trades people here, um, a lot of apprentices that have come up. There's going to potentially, that could stifle mm. a little bit, the you unemployment. Know, but sort of bringing back is people, you know, say to me, oh, where do they all come from, you know? So on top of um, the multicultural growth that comes in, you, you know, that comes into the the area, and I think the obviously now the Indian community is pretty prominent, and they're they're really good. They're probably doing similar to what the the Greeks the Italians did once upon a time when they come in. They're in the farms and so forth, but they're also coming into the you know nurses and doctors mm-hmm. and professionalism like that. So there's a good variety, but also on top of that is that what you touched on before is um, is those professionals that are coming. You know that you've said you know the 500 that want to be in the mm. city, you know, and all of a sudden you, you even double that with their wife, but you triple that with yeah. their young son or the kids, daughter. Mm. You know, all of a sudden that's 1,500 yeah, people. It's a huge amount. Mm. So 
it's I'm guessing it's going to be about 2,000, let's say, if we've got 500, and that's going to continue to go. So that's another 500 people, so another 2,000 people in the location. We've got to be able to sort of accommodate that. Mm. Um, that's right. yeah. And we're not, we're not, we're probably going to shoot ourselves in the foot potentially if yeah. we're going to turn these people away if we mm. don't sort of get going. Plus, as we were talking about before, people are staying, finishing school and staying here because mm. there's university options here, yes, there's university right. online options, there's jobs, yep. there's lifestyle. So yep. people aren't immediately finishing their secondary school and leaving, they're staying. So there's another um, demand for housing as well. Yeah. The other mentality has changed too. The, 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 the importance of going to uni is not great as it was the last few years. Actually, trade schools and mm. getting a job as an apprentice builder or mm. a plumber, or, all of a sudden that's really been big yeah. on the agenda too. They're staying, you know, to work here, mm. you know. Yeah, it's a big money float from Brisbane and all Queensland and all sorts of stuff, but they're mainly staying here. We've got to be able to accommodate that. That's mm. right. You know, yeah. uh, that, that's exactly happening. Even, and it happened through that lockdown period. With we had student engineers that were working in Melbourne and coming back during holidays, but they ended up living up here during mm. that mm. 2020 2021, and they did online learning, and a couple of them have just continued to do that, yeah. and they go down to uni once every couple of weeks to have that one on one, but. They're now staying here, working here, yep. and, and sort of rather than do the traditional go to uni, have that four or five years of, you know, blowing your hair back and having a great yeah. time. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Do it here. Just do it here instead. Do it here instead. Yeah. Um, so because oh, the train services are so good, they can just tick off Melbourne anyway on the Thursday night That's or right. Monday. They can yep. do it and come back yeah, if they want yeah, to. Yeah, and they're yeah. getting better. Yeah. I think not long till we get more services. Yes, so, yeah. which is great. Down to mm. the footy and back. Yeah, so what would your advice be on if it's a young family looking to buy a block at the moment compared to what it's going to look like? You know, it's easy for me to say, but as an agent, oh, and, and we're lucky the titles, a lot of the blocks that are sale, for sale at the moment aren't going to be ready for another six to 12 months, which gives them good holding time. They put their name or go to contract. Mm. So it gives them yeah. a ch- chance to save. It's a really good opportunity, I mm. think, to, to capitalise where the blocks have sort of stopped in, in prices now, mm. they sort of held their own. They're not going to get any cheaper. Obviously, what we touch on, they probably could get more expensive. Um, so, what would your advice be, Jane, if I'm off there or not? Maybe. Yeah. No. No. That's correct. I think that I think you're right there. But I think the most important bit of advice is for people to do their homework. Yeah. Do that due diligence. Um, seek some um, professional assistance, not only on the block that you're looking at buying, but what's happening either side of it. Yep. Um, a lot of people will buy their dream block to find that there was a planning permit recently <coughs> issued for something next door yes. that they're not quite Aware comfortable of. with. Yeah. So I think it's really important for people to, to do their homework, to understand where their block is in the process of development and just understand the context as well. And what you touched on before is not the lack of diversity. So if you've got mm. an opportunity to buy something that you want of a lifestyle, mm. yeah. do it now because it's not going to get much better. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. What are your thoughts, Lee? Yeah, I um, agree with Jane and possibly the floods from last year mm. of, um, you know, some people might be a little bit wary about mm. where they are looking to buy. And what I would say is that our catchment management authority and our council have been unbelievable. I think our CMA yeah. is one of the most sophisticated yeah. in the whole country. Yes. Um all of these new estates that have been planned post-1974 have performed exactly Extremely the way well. that mm. the engineers have designed them to perform. And 
you know, we've got really, really good data there going forward. And I think, you know, levels of one in a hundred flood levels have lifted yep. slightly. Yep. So the, the, the new estates going forward are going to be even more future-proofed. But, yeah, I would say go in doing your homework, but don't be alarmed about the recent floods because I think our, our CMA and our council and our planning have, have got it nailed. Like we're not like Lismore where we're in a super hilly yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of catchment where you get yeah. flash floods mm. and things are going yeah. to go under. We're in a really, really flat, predictable yep. um, floodplain. And I think we can continue to develop in those areas with the, the input from the CMA and the council and, and do that sustainably going forward. So, mm. um, yeah, do your homework and understand everything going yeah. on around but also be comfortable that you know, we've got the settings right around here to keep yeah. keep rolling those out. I think that's really important, Lee, because um, I look back at the recent floods. I actually was just... And it's hard. People get panicky and lots of stuff, but it really worked well. I couldn't believe how well it just it happened. It was probably the worst flood we've had for a long time, but it just... You know, and there was obviously a lot of drama in it but and people got affected, but in reality, it worked really well the way the yeah. flood, the, the waters flowed. Yeah, the new estates yeah. is, you know, horrible with those existing yes. low-lying yeah. areas. Pre-74, pre-93. Yeah. Yeah. We're still still picking up pieces um, within the community, but, yeah, that a little bit of disruption in those newer ones with some access. Yes. Mm. But that's, that's, that's exactly fine. how That's what they're it's designed to, to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's designed yep. to do that. And I think that yeah. it's, hats off to the council and the engineers for, mm. for planning it that way because it's worked really well, I that's thought. That's right, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. And look, we're getting more and more sophisticated in everything that we assess, whether it's flooding or bushfire mm. um, or building um, controls and regulations. So I think, um, I think it's... It's just going to improve in terms of our responses to a lot of yeah. those factors. I always say to people um, when they're looking to buy, and locals are pretty good because they get it and they've got parents mm. that have been around <laughs> it, they see it. It's a Melbourne or the ex the outside mm. um, buyer that's looking. And I always say, listen, it's a floodplain. This is, you can't escape, but this is it. You know? yeah. mm. And they don't understand what it is. They get alarmed by their solicitor that's in Melbourne, oh, your house is going to flood. And mm. probably your important to the agents out there as well as anyone else is that, uh, no, you probably need to educate them a little bit, but mm. also push them on to uh, the likes of you both that mm. um, can talk to them in, in an objective way. They've got yep. an opinion and explain mm. the engineers. It wouldn't hurt to say, listen, give Lee a ring or give Jane a ring. And mm. I know you probably don't want to... You know, be bogged down with no, that. That's <laughs> but it I'd probably rather helps. help at the front end yes. than yeah, deal yeah. with consequences at Later. the other end. And it yeah. just alleviates a bit of yeah. you know, mm. you know, uncomfortable or nerves yeah. and you know, sort yeah. of you know, that yeah. buys remorse mm. a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And if it's helping to bring more people, more yeah. people into our town yep. to fill those jobs and yeah. keep the economy yep. ticking yeah. over, because then we're more yeah. than happy to help. Spot on, because we've got the smart lawyer at the other end trying to protect their client, but not mm. understanding the rural mm. infrastructure what it's about, and it probably needs to give it an yep. objective view of what, how engineering works yep. in the town. And mm. I think um, bigger picture, the rivers bring so much benefit oh. in terms of um, the natural environment that we can all enjoy mm. five minutes away, yep. um, the water sports, the recreation, yep. the fishing, yep. all of those sorts of things, plus it's the, the lifeblood of our agricultural areas. Yep. So we can work to manage our floodplain and live quite 
comfortably and harmoniously with the floodplain. So it's funny, you know, the, as an agent looking, the, the most valuable lands are the ones that got the bush or river, mm. Mm. where the most prone to flood. But that's probably the more protected since '93. Yep. But that's where the most valuable land yeah. is. So yep. it's yep. important yeah. because we are such a floodplain. Yes, we haven't got yep. real natural resources or natural outlooks bar, bar rivers mm. and bushlands. So mm. yeah, it's important. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for coming in today. Really, that's very insightful. Really enjoyed that yeah. chat this morning. It was terrific. Um, thanks, Lee. Thanks, yeah, Alex. No, thanks, Rocky. It was really, a great chat. Really yeah. great. Yeah. Honoured honor to be asked. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Honoured no, to have you on. You. That's been terrific. <laughs> All right, thank that's you. Great. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss upcoming episodes. We would love you to share this podcast with your network and if you have any questions or feedback, please connect with us via our social network or head to gagliardiscott.com.au.